Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. Well, as Will shared, this is a little bit of a unique Sunday, uh, one that we've not had for a handful of years, obviously because of COVID. Let me explain. Today marks the beginning week of what we call new officer nominations. Uh, As mentioned, this is the time to begin the process of nominating men who will be trained, elected, and installed as our new elders and deacons to join the current group who serve as our, our current officers now. Uh, Whenever the session chooses to open up nominations, the session asks that we preach a sermon on this topic, so that's what's about to happen. Uh, As you can tell from the scripture, today is that day. Uh, When I was a new member at Tate's Creek, before I went to seminary, before I was ordained, I went through our then uh, new members class. This would have been January of 2005, and we had an interim pastor then. Some of y'all were around then and remember Zach Eswine. He taught the class, and I distinctly remember him making an unusual statement about this topic, about the topic of church itself. And he said that we as Christians are designed to live in a community of elders and deacons. And I thought, what a strange way to describe the church. Of all the different ways that you could describe the body of Christ, that's what we are. We are people who are designed to live inside a community of elders and deacons. But now, I think what a beautiful way to describe our lives as followers of Jesus, where we live inside of this community where shepherding and serving is taking place, the ethos of the leadership of the church. Our lives inside of Tate's Creek or any other church is to be marked by those two roles that the church has. Our church life is meant to be an expression, if you will, of our leaders. And Jesus, as our leader, has established elders and deacons who do these particular tasks. So as we think about the leaders of our church, it it made me think of a quote uh, that I've wrestled with over the last couple of years. Uh, I got this from a podcast guy that I listened to. Uh, his name's Colin Cowherd. His name doesn't get mentioned often in sermons, so if you're not familiar with him, that's fine. Uh, he's not a Christian, but he's a sports talk guy, and I, I listen to him pretty often. But Colin Cowherd says this about leadership. He says that whenever a player is considering moving to another program, the transfer portal, whatever, or a free agency, going to a different team, he says what you should look for is not more money, not more status, not more wealth, not more anything like that. What you should look for is good management. Because your management, that's what will keep you up at night if it's not good. So hypothetically, you could move to another team and be in a situation where you make more money, but your life is much more miserable. Says management is what you care about. I think there's a lot of truth in that. 
Because we are all tempted to move on to bigger and better things, but there's got to be some element of who are the decision makers in our life. What I want us to see this morning is that God greatly cares about the leadership of his church. He cares what kind of people they are. He cares what kind of character they have. He cares about us in such a way he cares about the management of the church. So here's my proposition for us this morning. As we consider these passages before us and as we embark on this season of nominations, it's simply this. Do you see that in God's great love and care for us, he provides leadership standards which reveal our very special place inside of his kingdom. He cares so much for us. He has established leadership for us. That's the proposition for today. So I have two points for you this morning to help us to see God's provision of leadership. First, see God's call for his officers. And then secondly, see God's love for his people. His call for officers, his love for his people. First, look back at 1 Timothy. See the call of church officers. And there will be a twist here in just a moment. When I say officers, as Will mentioned, we're referring to the roles of elders and deacons. In the PCA, those are two different roles, but yet those are the two things we refer to as officers. Deacons are those who primarily serve, ranging from the care of people in need to maintaining the physical structure of the building to giving leadership to the finances of the church and many, many more things. Elders are those who primarily shepherd God's people, ranging from sharing the word and prayer with people in group settings or those who have physical or spiritual needs, as well as the governance of the church. That's the general difference of the two offices. But the picture here that I want us to see, that I sense that the Lord has been guiding me this week in my prayer and preparation, is to recognize that this is our home where those things are going on. This is the community in which we are called to live. This is a place where shepherding and serving are happening all around us all the time. It's who we are. It's what we do. But what you need to know if you're new to being a Presbyterian, and I know many of us are, is that we have no single leader. There's not a CEO, if you will, of a church. The senior pastor just can't do whatever he would like to do. Even if Robert might like to do that, he can't just do that. Rather, we have a king, and the king is the king of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he rules his kingdom from his throne in heaven. And the ways in which he chiefly provides leadership to and for his people are through elders and deacons. And in his kingship, he provided in his word ways these people are called and the nature of their calling. Notice these offices are always composed of groups of people. The session is the group of elders. The diaconate is the group of deacons. The plurality of the people ensures that one person never has final say, but rather one voice among many. So as we consider the call of these leaders, specifically look at verse 1 of chapter 3. These initial descriptions fit the role first of an elder, but as we'll see, the call of the deacon is very, very similar. The word that we translate for elder or overseer is the word episcopus, where we get the word episcopal. It's used interchangeably with elder throughout the New Testament. But the word reveals that the calling of an elder is one who, quote, looks over the lives of God's people. 
one who cares for the children of God who live inside of local churches throughout the world. The task of being set apart as an overseer has its roots in the Old Testament. All the way back in Exodus 18, Moses appointed leaders over the people of Israel to help them in order to know the ways of God and to be successful in their lives of following him. But what's unique about these people? What's different about the leaders in the household of God than any other organization? How is this community, how is our community, the church, different than anything else? Let me mention two things about this calling of officers. First, notice the motivation for service. Paul says that it is a good thing for one to, quote, aspire to the role of an officer. To aspire literally means to reach out for something. So if someone has an internal interest and desire to be a leader inside of Christ's church, that is a noble task. It is good. This is not to be understood as something to pat yourself on the back and feel good about, but rather it's recognizing that the task itself is something that is a worthy task. So the first question anyone should be willing to ask about being nominated or someone that you may consider nominating is what is that person's greatest desire? What is that, that person's particular heart? What do they want in life? What is their life about? What, to the best of your ability, are the most important things inside of their heart? That is, over time, what defines this person? If you desire to be in a position of an overseer of God's people under the direction of Jesus himself, that is so great. Or if you know people who desire that, Praise the Lord that the Lord has raised up those people. But here's the twist. And I must caution you with this with a very serious observation. Will you remember, please, what Jesus said would be true of those who follow him? In Matthew 20, as Jesus describes what laboring in his kingdom would look like, he said, the last will be first and the first will be last. Earlier in Matthew, as Jesus taught about being his disciples, he instructed and warned, if anyone would come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, the motivation to follow Jesus is a way of life that is costly, costly to your personal goals, costly to your personal ambitions. If someone desires to be a leader inside of Christ's church, that person is committed to being identified with Christ. That person is a follower of Jesus with his whole heart. And Jesus' agenda very well may be different than your own. A person who desires to care for the people of God has been affected by God's spirit in such a way that the rest of the world now looks very different. So pause and wrestle with this thought. If you're looking for a place of status to achieve, if you're hoping for a certain honor to be given to you in worldly standards, or if you find being a servant of Jesus in some way a path to advance your own personal career or make someone proud of you, please see you've missed the whole point. And Jesus ultimately will not be mocked. Those are the wrong people to nominate. Those are the wrong people hoping to be nominated. 
See this, the noble task of laboring as a leader in the church of Jesus Christ is to represent the noble one who looks at this world very differently than our natural eyes ever will. In my preparing for the sermon and knowing that there's a lot to cover in these verses, and we're not going to cover it all in one sermon that includes both elders and deacons, I did find myself thinking about one of the early deacons who was set apart for ministry in Acts chapter 6. His name was Stephen, and maybe you're familiar with him. If you go back to Acts and read, you'll see that Stephen was clearly a faithful man. He had a good reputation. Scripture records that he was filled with God's Spirit. He clearly desired to be in the noble work of serving Jesus. After being set apart to do his work as a deacon, the Lord blessed his work. He was good at it. He was good at being a deacon. He was successful in his ministry, so much so that many people noticed what he was doing, that he had supernatural gifting that the Lord had given to him. Scripture says he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. It's pretty neat. In such a way that people noticed him and desired to seek to learn more about him. We would have all loved to have been around Stephen. He would have been a speaker at the Good of the Bluegrass Conference if we could have gotten him on our calendar. If we just stop right here and forget for a moment what we know to be the outcome of his life. And think about Stephen's status after he became a leader in Christ's church. During that moment of time. Just think about some of the things that were true of him. He was noteworthy in the community. He was important. Don't we all want to be important? He was popular. He had an audience. The leaders of the religious world were talking about him. He had fame. Aren't we all kind of hoping for a little bit of fame, even if it's in a small group? Important people cared about his opinions. Do you know how important that is to a man? That highly regarded people have a high regard for what you're thinking? He got an audience with the high priest. Stephen went straight to the top in the religious world. He was so important that an investigation was formed into his life with fake charges made against him. Stephen was something in their day. In our day, he would have been huge on Twitter. Old Twitter, new Twitter alike. He would have been something. We would have been talking about him. But if you know the story, you know the conclusion of Acts chapter 7. Stephen desired the work of serving Jesus on earth and bringing glory to God the Father above all else. And so he taught those who came near him the entirety of the Old Testament and everything the Lord's work was about, everything this world was about, this deacon could preach. For those who would not believe, he called them to repentance just as Jesus had done And the noble task he aspired to attain resulted in his public and violent execution. All the while, his soul was praising Jesus in heaven. This happened to one of the first deacons because he desired to be a servant in the household of God. His noble task, this noble desire, what he aspired to be, cost him his life And he was perfectly okay with that. Do you see the conflicting nature of the call into service of the church of Jesus Christ? If our aim is something other than the fame of Jesus, then something has gone badly wrong. 
Enlistment into the service of Christ, church, is never for our personal goals and agenda or advancement. It's always about Jesus and his glory. So church, would you seek to nominate those who are passionate about our Lord, who are passionate about our Savior, who are passionate about Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness? The Old Testament passage that Eddie read for us from Ezekiel, it shows how God promises that he will be the shepherd of his people. And we love that. But if you read the rest of that chapter and put it all into context, you'll know that God promises to do it because his shepherds had been so selfish they had quit doing it. You see, there will be those who are called into this desire for wrong purposes. Robert mentioned this last week in his sermon for Max Ordination. Beware of the motivation of those who serve. Is your heart serious about serving Christ? So first, consider the motivation with the call. But then secondly, notice the characteristics of these officers. Look at verse 2 all the way down through the rest of the passage. And simply note the morality of these people. I want to offer some very, very general observations here about the type of people that officers are to be. I will not cover all of this, I promise. But we have to start with the realization that whenever we read a job description, it's always in reference to the skill level of the worker and the particular task involved. That's not the case with God's officers. There are some components here of the actual work involved of elders and deacons. There's some of that. But it's mostly about the type of people they are called to be. Please see, the overwhelming majority of these attributes don't describe the type of work, but rather the type of people. Don't miss that. To be an elder or a deacon has much more to do with one's character than one's competence. That's what's so different about the church of Jesus Christ. Let me offer five or six broad categories here of some of these characteristics. First, they are to seek a godly lifestyle. That is, quote, to be above reproach. That doesn't mean that these men will never sin. That's impossible. But it does mean that their conduct is pure on a daily basis. It means that their overall demeanor is one and not in violation of God's standard. It means that these people desire to be godly people, to honor the law of God. So when they do sin, and they will, they'll be quick to confess and to repent. These officers are people who live constantly in repentance. This is the chief characteristic that godliness is a way of life. That following Christ as a way of life will be noticed by all, not just at church, but also in your homes, in your workplaces, in your neighborhood. Nominate people who others recognize as people who fight against sin. Secondly, they're to have a pure private life. This is mentioned for both elders and deacons. There's mention of being, quote, husband of one wife. Of all that this means, it certainly means that these are people who are to honor the Lord in their sexuality. In Paul's day, sexual sin was often tolerated. But for servants of Christ, one's private life was just as important as one's public life. In our day and time, this could not be more important. Satan desires to destroy all of us in this area. So nominate people who have pure private lives, who fight sin seriously. 
Thirdly, they are to possess good decision-making abilities. Think about this. Notice some of the attributes here for elders and deacons. Such words as sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, dignified. What do all these have in common? It's the ability to understand that when you care for the souls of other people, that requires certain aspects of wisdom that can only come from God's spirit inside of us. See, the leaders of the church are to be men who are quick to listen and slow to speak. That does not come naturally to any of us. So we need God's spirit to lead us. Of all the illustrations I could give about our officers, this one might be the worst Uh, It really is a little bit too soon. But remember COVID. (laughs) There was a time where our session was meeting or emailing, it seemed like daily, as we were trying to figure out what to do with a worship service during the pandemic. We had people who were mad that we weren't conservative enough. We had people mad that we weren't liberal enough. We had too many restrictions. We didn't have enough restrictions. And the balance of those two things was impossible. So these folks had to get together and pray and seek the Lord at all times. And I can tell you, our session did that so well. You may be displeased with what some of the results were, but I can say that they were sober-minded. They were respectable. They sought the Lord in all ways. Also notice that these officers, next characteristic, are to appropriately use alcohol. It's mentioned for both elders and deacons, and I'm so glad that this is included in Scripture. The intent here is obvious that any addictive substance like alcohol or porn or anything else, it prevents godliness. And when godliness is prevented, then God's sheep are not cared for. There's another attribute here that discusses that elders and deacons are to use money wisely. They are not to love money. Doesn't mean they can't make money, they can. But their desire is to honor the Lord with their money. Last thing here is simply that they manage their own households well. That is, they care and they supervise their families. Leaders in the church should be those who both can provide leadership and lovingly care for their families. These are general attributes of leaders of Christ's church. Again, leadership in the church is all about the type of person God has called us to be, a godly person. That is what he's doing. So church, as we embark on this nominating process, will you look for godly character? And I say to all of us, will you seek to honor the Lord with your life? So we've seen the call of the officers, the motivations, the attributes. Now, very briefly, consider just for a moment God's love for his people. If you will, just for a moment, sit back and think about all of these characteristics. Why are they here? Will you see this morning that the creation of these offices, the creation of these officers, is a tangible way that God reveals his care for you. These offices reflect him and his nature. So if you continue reading, as I did, as mentioned in verses 14 and 15, that the church is the household of God. God's care for his household cannot be emphasized enough. What he has done for us, the church, is the creation of the church and her officers is connected to his love for you. 
All of this exists for his own glory, and the church is the household where his glory dwells. God's commitment to his leaders reveals his commitment to us. Elders and deacons exist because God is in love with his people. As he prepares us for eternity, he cares for us along the way. It's not that these men are perfect. They aren't. But rather they exist because of God's perfect love for you. The Lord is committed to you and your care. All of these traits you are to seek in the lives of these people are traits that you see in Christ. You know, I want to end the sermon and get us ready for the table. But I do want to take just a second of pastoral privilege and publicly say this and give Lord the praise for it. You need to know God has been incredibly gracious to the people of TCPC. He has given us good and godly elders and deacons at this church. He has for decades. These are good men that we currently have. You need to know that as a pastor, I trust them with my care because that is part of their calling is to oversee us. And they have proven time and time and time again that they are good and they're godly. Our officers seek to honor Christ with their lives and you can trust them. Last Tuesday was the fourth Tuesday of the month. And that's the date for our session meeting and deacons meetings. So this past Tuesday, we had a fellowship meal together before we did our items of business. We ate and laughed together. One of the deacons, Josh Owen, shared part of his journey of coming to know the Lord with all of us. Nate Jones said something that made everybody laugh. It was kind of a a normal time. Then we split into our meetings. The elders spent time praying for God's people here at the church and ministries that are taking place. We stopped and gave God all praise and glory for our Easter service and for Mac's ordination last week and for Mac's upcoming ministry with RUF. We heard reports. We welcomed new members. We approved new baptisms. We we did the work of the church. The deacons provided updates on the work being done in the sanctuary, like recovering the pews that need to be done. We heard how the Lord is using mercy funds and blessing the work at Mill Creek and what's taking place in Ukraine. We thank the Lord for his generosity. But I'll say this. Nothing really extraordinary happened. It was just the household of God being the household of God. It was his family. It was his leadership. It's our lives where shepherding, serving takes place. It's the place where God has given us life. The church. A community of elders and deacons. Our home. It's what he has for us. We can be grateful. Amen. Amen. Let's prepare now and come and feast with our Savior. Oh, Father, as we consider these things, we are grateful to you for your love for us, for your grace to us. Thank you for the officers that you have given to this church. We give you praise for them. We pray all this now in Christ's name. Amen.